Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, everybody. Welcome to part two of our lovely chat with the incredible Amru Al-Kadi. If you haven't heard part one yet, go find that on your feed first. And if you have heard part one, then please have a listen to part two. We're going to dive in straight away with a brilliant story of Amru's kind of catastrophic, kind of amazing performance at Edinburgh Festival. I had, so this was in 2017 and we had just done Edinburgh and we'd done the whole run and it had been quite a successful Edinburgh and it had, by the end of it, we were really fully in our stride and I was running a drag troupe at the time and it was four white queens and me and um, it being Edinburgh, our audience was mostly white liberals who wanted to feel you know, like they'd, they'd done their bit, you know, for humanity by watching an Arab drag queen, you know, talk about trauma for five minutes or whatever. <laughs> um, so, um, I, but I had got really confident and into the rhythm of, this is great, 200 white people in a room, going to get them to feel guilty, kitching, go home and sleep. And, and also just, and it had become quite an easy um, thing. And, I'd real, and I, I'm realizing now, but at that point, um, I was definitely pandering to whiteness in the audience because I kind of knew a little bit what sort of white liberal guardian readers, what would make them laugh. and what. I mean, there was a point in the show where I would literally say, I'm so proud to be here as a, a gay Iraqi Muslim immigrant, um, you know, living in the UK. And I would get a round of applause and usually a standing ovation by a few people. And it would go on for ages. And then once it died down, I'd say sort of, and that everybody's the sound of white guilt. And they would all ah, just sit down. Oh, and, um, and it would happen literally. It never, never, it never didn't happen. So I had gotten to a little bit of um, uh, a kind of cocky complacency of, you can't touch me, bitches, like, because I know what... And then suddenly, on the final night of Edinburgh, like, we'd done the home, the whole stretch, you know, we were going to go home the next day. There were six Muslim women in the front row in hijabs. The mother had a niqab on, so her mouth was covered as well. So I just had these sort of piercing eyes sort of looking at me. 
And the show opens with me singing a remix of Lady Gaga's Bad Romance with the Islamic call to prayer. So, and they do match onto each other. So it goes, Allah. Um, um, <laughs> it's like a rom-com almost with Allah, who's like my ex-boyfriend who, you know, wanted to fuck me five times a day and, and for Ramadan, you know, would make me starve myself every month, every year for a month so that I was a good bottom and all that stuff. Scandalous white love after was usually what I was used to. And then right. a kind of just terrified round of applause because no one got a fatwa in the process and they could all go home. <laughs> so like, um, but suddenly it was just quite overwhelming that these this would mean something to these six women because they are Muslim. Because also I knew what was coming in the set. I knew that I was going to literally have an orgasm with Allah fucking me. Like, and, and they were like, you know, in the front row. Oh my um, God. And like, it was just a nightmare of, and they were saying things like you just said, you know, oh my God, but in, in, in in Arabic kind of Islamic references, so like stuck for Allah or, you know, Bismillah. And those are words I just hadn't heard in a really long time. And all of a sudden was just like, it was like avatars of my mom going, yes, you might have had a really successful Edinburgh and you've got this packed crowd, but like, we know the real you and like, you're in trouble here. And, you know, what you're doing is is blasphemous and you're going to go to hell. And so it was like, and so- So you were was, kind of falling apart on stage. Oh, I fell, fell many times just speaking gibberish. Like, like generally at one point it was like, God, um, and then I, at one point I was like, stop talking guys to the, to the women. And they weren't, it wasn't them talking like breakdown of epic proportions. I think everyone just thought like, like Jesus Christ, what's going on. Oh, Amri, that sounds absolutely hell. I mean, just- it was hell. And then afterwards the stage usher was like, um, these women would like to talk to you. And I just said like, no, just no, just tell them no, actually. And then um, my agent who was still there was like, I think you should talk to them just because otherwise you'll only ever have an awful experience of this night. She managed to convince me, so I went to, and they were kind of filed up outside. And it was genuinely like, the closest thing I can probably imagine to being a defendant on trial and sort of standing up and looking at the jury and going, here we go. Um, And the, the youngest of the, group who i'm actually still in touch with on instagram um was said oh my god glamru like you know we booked ages ago for this she was a fan yeah she was a fan because i mean there's just clearly so few um arabs and muslims you know talking about this kind of stuff and and on stage and particularly in this way and so you know she was like oh we were you know we booked ages ago and we queued we've been queuing for ages so that we could you know be in the front row she just said oh you know i have to say that kind of song that you did to allah where you are you were kind of battling with him like i completely um identified with that song as as a muslim woman in you know in saudi arabia where there's obviously so many um restrictions and I can, I always have those conversations with Allah myself. So, wow, thank you so much for that. And, and I just thought, Oh gosh, well, I assumed 
you were hating this really um because you know it was so offensive and, and she said no not at all like i completely resonated with it you know even my mum, who's really really muslim she wants to say something to you and she kind of inched closer to me but kind of didn't look me directly in the eye i was like does she literally think i'm satan like she won't look me in the eye she's like yeah you were the best um we're really proud we're really proud to have been here and i went and then i went to hug her and she sort of flinched and because you know that was really i completely forgot about all kind of islamic principles in that moment i was just so relieved and i and they could see how nervous i was and you know i looked i think must have looked so vulnerable because i was just like in my makeup and i was still just so kind of out of it and so before they left the um younger the the one who talked to me initially sort of was like look amber i can tell this has been a really you're going through a lot right now so you just need to remember that you know no matter what allah loves you and i was like oh Oh. wow okay and then she they just sort of left um honestly like apparitions with their like flowing islamic robes i was like what the hell i mean how did that change you as a performer and also about how you use your own experience in your work what did that all what yeah, that do? that's a good question. I mean, uh, there was a few different things. Firstly, like on a on a kind of both as a performer but as a person, I definitely recognised my own sort of Islamophobia because, um, and how warped it made me to what's going on in the world. Because effectively, these were, you know, a group of women who had agency who decided to come to Edinburgh to book tickets, to wait, you know, in line so that they could be in the front row, stayed throughout the show. So it was quite, um, probably quite offensive of me to have this assumption that they were there to sort of hate it mm. and and get offended because they could have left at any point and really no one was forcing them there. Um, mm. And so uh, it definitely made me reflect on that, um, this idea of like why did I think that basically all Muslim people are out to get me or hate me and made me start to think I have a very reductive idea of my upbringing and my family and my heritage and probably was the start of really beginning to unpack that. But that was also my first lesson in uh, that trusting that the audience were there to support me mm. um, because I always had this slight, and I think it comes with drag, particularly having performed in the clubs and where people can heckle and people can um, interrupt the performance a little bit. But, you know, I'm always there thinking, who's here to hate me or who's here to reject Mm. me or punish me? Because that's what I'm always thinking in my head. Like, I'll probably leave this podcast going, oh, how did I offend them at this point or this point or you know, and so Amory, we love you. Oh well, thank we you very you. much. But that's that's my and Allah, love you Allah loves you too. Oh, thank yeah. you. Alan. Alan has it on good authority. <laughs> he said Allah, not Alan. But yeah, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> Alan and my, Allah. you are now my Allah. I wanted to ask you about chemsex um, <laughs> because you were really <laughs> candid in your book about it, and um, I really respected that, and um, I am fascinated by chemsex because I've never been to a chemsex party. I think I was kicked out of one before it became <laughs> chemsex. I was okay. late at night with my friend and I think the people at the, we'd gone back to someone's house after a club and I think they decided that me and my friend were not 
Oh no, okay, to be gay part men of the can be so mean. Bit. I know because they were like, "You, you guys need to leave." And my friend was really drunk. And he was like, "We're not leaving." And oh was my like, god, You're, <laughs> he was like, "You are going." But then it kind of got all a bit. Um, Chem sexy. Anyway, so that so we left. Shall we explain to people who might not know what chem sex parties are? Yes. So, um, chem sex is when people take drugs like G crystal, crystal meth, crystal meth, and you go to a house that's it's arranged on grinder, and you turn up, and people have uh, there's lots of people there, and it's like an orgy, an orgy, an orgy, but everyone's on some sort of uh, disassociative. Uh, yeah. drug I would say and I think the disassociation is what interests me about is that to do with because this could be me being judgmental is what I'm sort of getting at but is the disassociation part of the appeal of coping with your own sexuality and that's why it has become a thing do you think or I'm, I think there's like a few things going on um <clears throat> firstly I have seen some chemsex parties that are kind of quite positive as an experience you know like definitely this sort of feeling of you know a lot of professional guys or um drinks and nibbles yeah <laughs> or like guys who have like worked really hard all week and like this idea of creating a sort of alternative space um you know outside of even the club scene and it feels a little bit like a sanctuary um where it's, you know, just all gay men, you don't even have a bouncer there, you know, policing you. And um, I've definitely seen that side of it where the guys who are really doing it, quote unquote, responsibly or whatever that means, but they've managed to, you know, it's this this kind of, um, and a lot of them tend to be actually like in couples and they just want to open their relationship. But there's this sort of sense of, this is like a space for us to, um, explore sexual, you know, our sexuality and it's a completely gay space and it's, you know, a private space, particularly, you know, it's always in someone's house and it's not regulated as a result. Um, and so there's been that. And I think, um, definitely they started really becoming quite popular in London when gay clubs were closing down a bit more and also things were just going on to grinder and you could sort of, bypass the club and and sort of basically create this, this orgy essentially where um but the kind of negative side of it and i mean there's been that movie chemsex and there's obviously lots of kind of articles about it is you know you did have guys sort of starting to do it for six seven days in a row and um really only being able to have sex in those environments um and I definitely really was attracted to them. Um, to the parties? To the you, parties. Uh, uh. Um, partly because, and it was weird what you were just saying, Chris, about intimacy. You know, I'd be at a club, whereas like where a guy who I knew or I was friends with, who was attractive, who I was into, would sort of be talking to me. And it, you know, and I actually have a few of them now who are like all in happy relationships. And I'm, I'd, I'd, I'd feel them being nice to me. And I'd be like, right, going to a sex party, see you later, bye. And it would be like that, you know, it was for me, it was definitely a rejection of intimacy. It was about going into like a, a stranger's house where I didn't know anybody. Um, and I, and, and it was, it was definitely a, 
a severing of sex from emotions because whenever the two were together, it was quite dramatic because obviously um, my emotional landscape at that point was just still so cut up about being gay and queer. And, you know, I was, what, 23, 24, 25 when I was sort of going, probably stopped going properly at 25 after I had a you know particularly bad experience at one. Um, what was that? Oh, I write about it in the book, but I was I was woken up to someone, you know, fucking me, basically. And also, I just needed to stop taking drugs because of my mental health. So as soon as I stopped taking drugs, I, I just didn't really... Um, but yeah, I think there was... And I saw a lot of those guys. It was like real life outside, sex life in here. Mm. And that's definitely why I think I went a lot. I just think it must surely be... Like, people have orgies, people have sex parties... That's mm. not a new concept, but this, but chem sex as a as a as a thing, is a relatively new thing, and and it's and I think it's especially the kind of drug and what that does to you in terms of your uh, interaction with people, and also I guess how long you can have sex and what your what sort of does to your desire. So in a way, I feel it's kind of to me it seems to take a little bit of the joy out of of sex. Yeah, well, I think it takes. And that's, I think, part of it. It was. It takes the. Um, it makes it. It's, some of the drugs that you're taking at chemsex parties are so. They make you so in your body. They're so kind of, um, kind of corporeal drugs in the fact that they just get you so horny and so just about any holes a goal right now, because I just need to have sex. And that detaches you completely from your mind, which was exactly what I was looking for because anytime my mind was, well, if we're going to be really frank, anytime my mind was present in sex, I would have basically premature ejaculation in my early 20s because my body was so like, stop having sex because you're not allowed to do that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So that, that, Whereas I've been to sex parties in New York when no drugs are allowed and they're really social and wonderful and and my emotions are there and I, I feel like me, Amru, is at these parties and this sex that I'm having is part of my identity and who I am and I go mm-hmm. feeling... But that's really, really happened later in my life. But yeah, I think the drugs of chemsex parties, it's precisely like bodies without minds... Some guys don't know who they're having sex with. Like, I saw guys being like having sex and then going, "Oh wait, sorry, you're not my boyfriend." You know, I. <laughs> was there ever any specifics around? Because 
if you're you know if you're like uh non-binary or let's say you're a bit femme or um that because it's like an organized thing you can sort of announce that before you go so people know what you are rather than having to navigate the constant system of explaining yourself on yeah. the dance floor is was there that as well yeah totally like um th there are ones that i was just not allowed to go to or i was you know didn't mm. but there was this kind of very loose guy no i wasn't even seeing him he was just my chemsex buddy mm. and i was sort of his his plus one to a lot of them and but yeah it was just like once you're in, you're in. And um, I also liked it because I would never talk about myself in any real way. You know, right. wouldn't really explain. You know, sometimes I wouldn't even say, "Hey, you know, I'm non-binary." Or I mean, it was just like it's 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 the sexual equivalent of a lobotomy, which I liked because I wanted to have sex, <laughs> but I yeah. didn't like the emotional repercussions of of every time I had sex, the well of trauma that mm. was coming out and so um i don't know how i feel i don't know how much is still going on really in london i mean i think there was a period where it was like oh god because mm. kind of hiv was massively on the rise and this yeah. was before prep and mm. it was like what's going on to the gay community and, and mm. um there it's slightly more taboo now i mean but for me yeah it was it was, yeah, I it was how like, the way prep might have prep might have encouraged them to have another uptick yeah maybe i mean i know so i was speaking to a sexual health person recently who basically said yeah hiv is like really man really we've done well now but all the other stis are now off the charts really yes yeah just because no one's using condoms <laughs> you said you said this thing which um very much touched me from your book about a, a moment at a chemsex party or maybe before or after where you made the mistake of trying to hug someone and they were like, that is not what happens here. Mm, yeah, I still remember that. I'm actually writing him as a character in something just because like, what the fuck is going on there? But um, mm. but yeah, I mean, we'd known each other now like a couple of months because we kept seeing each other at these parties and we bumped into each other in a club, which was like the first time that we had ever sort of seen each other out of a chemsex light. Wow. Um, and then he was like, do you want to go? We were like, should we go to this one that's, kind of close by and we were in a cab um and and i was kind of feeling warm and huggy because i was high and i just i made the mistake of trying to hug him in the cab what? oh in and the he, cab and he literally on when we were on the way and he literally just it was like and me i was punished all night it was literally like i would arrive in the room and he'd be like no i'm moving like it was just like the biggest transgression that was the night that then i woke up and he was the one um, oh gosh um, how interesting yeah like I think it was just like a you I did well that's all connected surely mm. it is all connected and that and... should not have happened to you no no I'm sorry it did oh thank you I mean look it is what it God. is but like but but gay men the thing is is like <laughs> so can I I just ask, being... nobody kisses each other at a chemsex party I've seen kissing but but, mm. but but just not hugs but it's almost quite like some of the kissing that I've seen is is like or it's just like tongues waving. Or that weird sort of like the eating awful. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. They're sort of like almost wanting to rip off the other person's skin, but yeah. not like, because it's like, it's not intimate really. It's not I'm sensual. Not, mm, yeah, maybe it's not sensual. My um, 
my friend went to a chemsex party once and it was there's that screening thing on the door where like they open the door and they say whether you're hot enough yeah and they were like you're not hot enough and he oh, was like and he was like oh but my phone's run out of battery can i come in and charge my phone so they let so he had to like shuffle in the side of the room and he was allowed to wait while he charged his phone and then that's hilarious and, and by the way he's very handsome can i just say you know but gay men like you know you know love the lgbt community and all that but like god gay men can be dickheads i mean i was just <laughs> on a judgy judgy and 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 superficial people who hurt are often really mean to others but it's also a culture chris it's not about just about the individuals who hurt it it's about a culture that has been sort of forced to be on the aggressive foot Mm. because of perhaps being of fear and of being judged and having aggression against them but i mean i kind of you see it you know it's like the whole archetypal bitchy queen Mm. which you just know is just a, it's, it's an armor. And, uh, I, and, 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 you know, and I think that's, I always love that. I always love when I find someone like that. And often when I go into situations because I'm me and people know who I am and certain people have a kind of a, a predisposition to not like, to not want to like me because mm. you know, all that stuff. And I can, I totally can tell. And, and, and I, in that situation, I absolutely smother someone with love or I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not swayed in my way I handle myself. Set the agenda. And I, and I love, I just love when I get, you know, even just like a, 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 a a gesture or or a sign from them that, oh, hi, you know, you're a nice person. Thanks. Good night. Mm. I, I just think that's such a, for a tiny thing, it means so much to me because I feel I've, that person's not hopefully not going to do that again or mm. so often in the future. Mm. Talking of armor, can oh, we go back to your mum? Yes. Because I was I was absolutely fascinated that you said in an in an interview I saw that, you know, so much of your drag and can you say your drag queen's full name because I love it so much. My drag oh <laughs> um Glamru Al Khalifa Al Hayati Ledanim. it's epic i love that so much um but part of your inspiration for is your mom and also kind of like arabic female arabic uh sensibility and but and that you said but your mom really is a drag queen and there was one uh you know in terms of her aesthetic and there's one time she had to hire a welder to get her into a costume or something tell us about that amru um that was Years, few years back when um, she was in the UK, um, but she, we, she was here because we had a kind of a, a cousin's wedding, and um, which is basically like sort of Hunger Games for Arab women to show off their <laughs> costumes and for the men to parade their wealth, even if it's just sort of credit. Um, and, you know, there's always quite a lot of pressure on me on those events because it's just like, hide your tattoos, just just please just no fuss tonight and i actually just go along with it just to get everyone through the night usually um but i had arrived home well to pick my parents up where they were saying and um and there was like a bit of a stain on my shirt and my mum was losing at me, at me because she just thought, oh, everyone's going to think we're poor and everyone's going to think, you know, this is the worst thing that can happen. I've already had the worst day imaginable. And I was like, oh God, like what, what, what's happened to you, mum? And she was like, 
um, well, you know, I only had one dress left for this party that no one's seen me in, um, which is obviously also key. And it's uh-huh. Valentino, but, but the buckle broke on the flight from Dubai like a few hours ago. And like, you know, what was I going to wear? I couldn't exactly wear a thing that I wore that, you know, some of them would have seen me in. Um, and I was hard relating to her at this point. Um, <laughs> um, and I was like, wow, well, what did you do to, you know, remedy this, you know, kind of plague on your life, you know, issue. She's like, well, thankfully, you know, I managed to find a welder who came and, and fixed the dress. And we, we had, we hadn't really resolved a lot of our own stuff by that point. And, you know, she just previously, she was screaming at me and she said, people are going to just think that you're this like impoverished gay artist, like wearing stained clothes. Like, you know, she'd, Clearly, it's just been quite cruel. But when she said that, I just said, like, I remember saying, I love you, and just gave her a big hug. Because it was so, so funny. Um, I do love my mom. Where did she find a welder? Um, I think Google. Last Minute Welder. Did it like com, And a a welder came and welded her Valentino clasp. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so the clasp was around her neck. Um, that's just and epic. We have a, we've always had a great bond, me and my mum, which has been all these there's there's all these roadblocks in the way that I thought were put there by her, but they're not by her. They're by kind of society at large. Mm. But I think if there's but even with all that, like we just have a connection. And you know, I mean, my mum did say some really horrible things. You know, I mean, firstly, she pretended she would kill herself if I came out. So. I had that. And Ooh. then she was like, um, you know, often would say, you know, you've, you've been the greatest, you know, my great, my great disappointment in my life. You Ooh. know, how you, you know, my mum was just, she just, because, because I was a problem child in the fact that me just existing and doing all these things was causing quite a lot of heat for my parents like because the family you know family respect is so key and when my uncle you know saw these photos of me on drag and he was in iraq at the time and you know once that gets out like it my parents are just being seen as these ultimate sort of failures um which is a shame because actually like now they're starting to see that i've done quite well um Mm -hmm. in my life and they are, and some of the people that they really respected, the the Wizard of Oz curtain has slightly fallen. Like some of mm. them are doing illegal things for money. Some of them uh. are doing, and you know, I've never done any of that. And and so, I think they're now having a recalibration. But I just think on it for them for survival, it was like we just have to get Amru in line. Obviously, in between that, there were some really beautiful exchanges I have with my mum. But you know, being gay was just so fundamental to who I am that you just go like, I mean, if it wasn't family, like I'm sure if we were at a party and someone was like, "Hey, you seem cool," um, but like I just do not like gay people, we'd just be like, "Cool, I'm never speaking to you ever again." That's mm. what I would be like. Um, so, and that's, I think what I was like with my parents, basically. Uh-huh. Mm. But Ala loves you. Thank Ala you. Ala loves you. And also I feel like. It, and she I, does. My mum loves me deeply. Yes. I think. It's been lovely to see that, that you and your mum are now so united and into each other's company. And I mean, like, so, 
she'll never come to a drag show and she's she'll never you know there are just some fundamental blocks to her but i think she's well that's just competitiveness (laughs) Um, that's true but i think for her it's like i think she's like what's the point there's been so much heartache and 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 um you know she suffered a lot herself as a woman in the middle east and yeah. We just got to the point where it was just like we can keep shouting or we can just try and salvage something. And we have, in a way. Also, I promised her um, I'd been saving money to buy her a facelift. <laughs> she's asked me for one. I don't want to buy her what? one, but she's, she's desperate for one. So, wow. Which you can get a welder to do it. <laughs> it's I'm kind saving- of just like, it's just like welding for the face, really. Yes, it's the same exactly. thing. <laughs> Ah, what a total darling. What a total darling. And Such do you know what? a sweetheart. It's, it's so interesting to listen to Amory talk about feeling like people, you know, won't accept them and all of that. And actually, you're listening and I'm going, isn't it funny? But the more they put themselves out there, the more love they get, actually. Well, it's just, I mean, it's that overused word, authenticity, but it's true mm. that, that, and they said like, at Eaton that happened and mm. with those Muslim women that came to the show I think mm. that's a, a really beautiful sort of allegory to come out of their what they've what they shared with us today is that being open and being yourself is 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 what gains respect from people yeah and there's something um they are so present and just totally in touch with and very honest about things that have gone on for them in a way that I you know could only dream of. I'm sure you. I'm, sh- I'm sure you can be like that too, Chris. Oh yeah, I'm pretty honest most of the time. I mean, yeah. I I told everyone I was sick in front of a buggy as I'd had a pill, so you know. <laughs> I just love the I, I just love the idea of the man <laughs> charging his phone at the sex party. I think that's yeah. the funniest thing I've heard in ages. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Alan, if people want to write in and talk to us about this here episode full of confessions and delights, how do they get in touch? They go to their uh, computer. It's a yep. thing with that you plug in and uh, you can contact the world and into your email section of the computer and you and you put the address hello at homosopiens. Homosopiens podcast. Hello at podcast.com And we'd love to hear from you. And also they can go to leave comments about our show somewhere. Oh, they can go to Apple Podcasts and they can review us and you can win a T-shirt. And if you fancy buying your own T-shirt or a sweater, you can go to everpress.com forward slash homo sapiens where you can purchase all sorts of delights also available from alancumming.com forward right. slash shop. shop. And also please tell your friends, subscribe, get us mm-hmm. in your... Uh, proverbial inbox because um, we've got lots more gems coming towards you and we always love sharing these moments with you absolutely couldn't have said it better myself alan you've been a delight i'm going to say i've been a delight Amru you was have a been a delight i was just Stop going to say that you beat it. me to the post <laughs> and Amru was a delight and uh here's to many more take care everybody take care bye 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Powered by Spirit Studios.